You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. I'm usually joined by my co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg's a little under the weather this week, but he will be back for next week's show better than ever. Uh, Before we get into today's show, i got to tell you, uh, listen, you've heard me say it before. But I'm going to say it again. We're getting close to Christmas, all right? We are less than two weeks away now. So if you're still looking for a gift, you got a Braves fan in your life, and you're looking for the perfect gift for them, jostens.com slash Braves is where you can find it. You've got all this really cool merch inspired by the 2021 World Series Champions Ring. So if you're looking for uh, whatever you want, if you want to buy one of those rings, if you want a pendant, earrings, bracelet, paperweight, necklace, whatever you're looking for, They've got it over there at jostens.com slash Braves. Perfect gifts over there for the Braves fan in your life. So please check them out. And as always, thanks to Jostens for being our wonderful partner here on Behind the Braves. So today's show, we've got one recurring guest and one new guest, and they're together promoting a big show they're doing this weekend. So if you're a longtime listener of Behind the Braves, then you're certainly familiar with one of our guests. And even if you're not a longtime listener of this show and you just happen to be a music fan, then you've probably heard of him. Uh, Jason Isbell, one of the finest singer-songwriters writers in the world today. I mean, he's phenomenal. His music is fantastic. Huge Braves fan. Uh, We had him on Behind the Braves early in this show's history back in, I believe it was early 2019. And he's joined by his pal, Will Welch, who is GQ Magazine Global Editorial Director. So Jason and Will are are doing a show this weekend at the Fox Theater here in Atlanta. It is an evening of conversation and song with Jason Isbell and Will Welch, where they're just talking about life, their friendship, music, really, really looking forward to to that show this weekend and being that Jason is a big Braves fan and that Will is also a big Braves fan who grew up here in Atlanta. Uh, we thought, hey, w- w- would it be, you know, would they be up for com- maybe coming on behind the Braves to promote the show and talk a little baseball? And not only were they up for it, they were fantastic. I, I could have talked all day with those guys. They were so much fun. But I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So let's get right into it. Here they are, Jason Isbell and Will Welch. Well, Jason, Will, thank you so much for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Uh, we're talking about, I'm really excited, your show this Saturday, December 17th, 8 p.m. at the Fox Theater, an evening of conversation and song with Jason Isbell and Will Welch. First of all, for Braves fans and baseball fans listening, if you haven't been to the Fox Theater, it's an iconic venue and you need to go there. My first show there ever actually was uh, uh, one of your shows, Jason, a few years ago. And- oh, really? It was. It was. Went there one off season a few years ago and just love going out to the Fox. And I, we'll get into, of course, this is a baseball show and I'll get into my sports questions for you guys and baseball. Stuff. Yeah. But I want to start right there at the beginning with just tell us what folks can expect from this show. And also just, you know, how did you guys become friends? How did that friendship evolve into something where, you know what, we should we should put this this show together at the Fox? Uh, well, we the, the show itself is going to be a combination of of. Uh of me and Will talking about ourselves and our lives and each other and uh, our history together and uh, his job and my job and his wife and my wife and uh, the uh, the way that we uh, first became friends, which was uh, Will was sent down to cover uh, the Dirty South, the drive-by truckers recording. Uh, that's been 20 years ago now, Will, by the way, in case you were feeling <laughs> young today, in case your back wasn't hurting today. That's We've earned our years. respective gray hairs that are in evidence here. Yeah. 
We have, yeah, yeah. So we met uh, during that time, and Will was down in Alabama uh, working. He was working for a magazine called The Fader, and he come down to cover that that recording process. And we've been friends ever since. Um, never really fought, like not physically. We never fist fought. Um, uh, and I, we never really argued about much of anything, to tell you the truth, which is kind of remarkable, knock on wood. Um, you can, but yeah, so, this is because it's possible to disagree without arguing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, all you have to do to disagree without arguing is you have to not make any points. <laughs> you, you know, once you start making points, you're you're arguing. You just have to be like, I disagree. I can't tell you why because I don't want to argue with you. And that's how it works. But uh, I'm going to play some songs too uh, uh, that sort of mark time in the in the period of our relationship. So Will's been there for a lot of songs that I've written, and he's been there for a lot of songs that I've recorded uh, in either in the studio or in my home, or you know, he he tends to show up when I'm working. Uh, and I'm going to mark time with some of those songs. And I'm also planning on playing a, a new song. We finished an album recently, and and uh, Will was around for the recording of that. I'm going to play a brand new song for folks. Uh, um, and yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm hoping I can get Jason to tell some great stories that um, he doesn't normally tell on stage or in the course of doing press around the album and tease some insights and hilarity out of him uh, in regards to his music. But we'll also talk about life itself, you know. That's great. You know, la last week, uh, myself, Ben Ingram, who's the play by play announcer for the Braves on radio and Kevin McAlpin, who's pregame postgame host on Braves radio. The three of us are all just we're big. I mean, obviously we're sports guys, but we're big music guys too. And all three of us, I mean, we love a lot of classic rock. We love Jason. We love, you know, Red Dirt, Americana, whatever, whatever label folks want to put on that. And a little bit of everything in between. So the three of us went to see uh, Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening. And mm -hmm. We all love Zeppelin, but I was kind of, and I I respect the hell out of Jason uh, Bonham, but I was kind of like, okay, I don't know, tribute band, kind of, I don't know, like they, I know they'll sound great, but what really truly made it great was they would play a song or two, and then Jason would take the mic and just talk, and he would tell stories, and he would say something about the song they were getting ready to play and what it meant to him or what it meant to his father, and it was that connection that made that show that show truly special for us. So. I love that you guys are doing this. And if you're if you're a Jason Isbell fan, you get to hear a new song. I mean, that right there ought to ought to cause you to buy a ticket, I think. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm picturing I'm picturing Jason Bottom taking the mic and saying, Okay, so you see, my dad and his buddies, they loved hobbits. Uh this song <laughs> came about from the love that my dad and his buddies had for hobbits and just Middle Earth in general, way into it. I didn't know you were at the show too. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, well, really excited for the show. So uh, Will, one thing the Braves, we've really been keen on. I work just background. I work marketing, social media side, uh, in addition to podcasting, obviously. We're always looking for ways of highlighting who our players are as people. I I'm biased. I think we're really lucky in that, first of all, we have some really good quality humans on our team, but we have guys from all different backgrounds from all around the world. And so we're always trying to really be able to show our fans who these guys are. You know, what what type of music they listen to, what whether it's the car they're driving, certainly what they're wearing. So I figure with you and your role uh, from GQ, I, I wanted to bring this up. I feel like we're in an era where baseball players and all athletes not only care about fashion, but they've really embraced it and they use it as a way to express themselves. 
I mean, do you find that that's true? Uh, to me, I see that. I feel like they've embraced that more than I've ever seen in my almost 40 years on the earth. Yeah, I think there's a whole wave that has kind of been led by the NBA, where in a way being known for having a sense of style and identity a visual identity, a stylistic identity is part of being a star. And in a way you can't like really become a superstar if that sense of style isn't part of the, the, the algorithm that you're presenting. And it's been really cool to see that catch on um, in baseball as well. That's obviously something that we look for at GQ is like, you know, we're covering talent of all kinds, including athletes all the time. And we like the guys who have a really like innate sense of style. And you've seen it historically and currently, uh, not just in what people wear off the field, but also how they present themselves on the field. And I think the baseball jersey has always had a lot of opportunities for like, you know, there's the guy in the baggy pants where you don't see any stirrups. There's the guy in the high socks and the stirrups. And now, of course, the um, it's like the great chain off. You know, (laughs) every person on every team has a different chain and some of them are terrible and some are awesome and some of them are hilarious and some of them are tasteful and some of them are garish. And it's cool to uh, watch guys find different ways to express themselves. But I think it's really important to present yourself with a sense uh, a, a sense of identity and style because, you know, people want a star people want somebody who really stands out and you know I've, I've got nephews who are 10 and 12 years old and they live in california but they're braves fans and they definitely love they collect the baseball cards of the players who have a certain panache with the way they present themselves and um so it's, it's a very modern version of that sports star you know like i always loved Deion sanders you know one of the great braves and he was one of the kings of this Oh, I think one of the greatest sports photos taken in history is of Dion in the Braves locker room with the big Zach Morris block cell phone. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Iconic. It's maybe like you can't possibly look cooler than that. No matter what you do. It's it's great. And Dion could do so much with just the way he wore his jersey across football and baseball. You know, you think of the bandana, but and the the way he wore his wristbands and he could just express so much while staying inside the bounds of the of the dress code. Absolutely. Well, this transitions nicely into a question for you, Jason, because I think Ronald Acuna is pretty much embodies a lot of the things you were just talking about there. Will. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Jason, so we've been, Greg McMichael and I have been doing this show for five years now, almost 150 episodes in. We first had you on, it was very early on in the show. And uh, so since then, we've, I mean, we've gotten to interview so many different folks, obviously Braves greats. We were fortunate to have the the late, great Hank Aaron on with us. We've had, you know, Chipper, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. We've had Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Austin Riley. I mean, we've we've had a, a lot of folks. But 150 episodes in, one of the moments when people ask me, well, what are some of your favorite guests or moments? One of the ones that sticks out to me is when we first had you on. And I asked you, your daughter, Mercy, was pretty young at the time. Uh, but I asked, you know, is she she watched any baseball yet or she gotten into it at all? And this this clip is just one of my favorite moments for the show. She said you said, yeah. Uh, she's really into butterflies. And when she sees Ronald Acuna, yeah. and she says, it's my friend Cacuna. He's going to yeah. do a butterfly. <laughs> and, and that always stuck with me. So now we're a few years later. I'm curious. Uh, 
Has she watched any more of it with you? And I'll preface it with this. I know she at least watched one night because one of my favorite tweets from this past season was you said, oh, man, my kid just said, who are the Braves playing? The Walgreens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and as, as, as somebody who doesn't mind to take a little friendly jab at our friends at the Nationals, I got a good kick out of that. So has, has Marcy been watching any baseball with you? Like? She has. Yeah. And, you know, that was a genuine uh, question for her. She thought somehow Walgreens was in involved with the Washington baseball team. Uh, I don't, that's the good thing about her. I don't have to make anything up. Like I just pay attention and and she's always got it. Uh, but yeah, she still calls Acuna Cacuna. She does. She kept that. She held on to that. She knows now, but she prefers Cacuna. Um, and she loves uh, Spencer Strider because she's really into strength and uh, uh, like physical. She likes the size of his legs. She just loves that he has the huge legs. Um, I think that's it. I don't think she knows about, you know, the great season that he had, because obviously it's it's a long season. It's hard to keep up. But she gets very excited about just the heft, the heft of the man's legs. She's really into that. Um, she'll watch baseball with me, though. She's a good she's a good baseball watching buddy for sure. I remember, was it last year when uh, uh, Acuna's chain came off? We were just talking about that when he rounded first base and his chain came off and it just went everywhere. I think that was one of her favorites moments because they had to stop and look for all the diamonds and pick everything up. Uh, yeah, she got a big kick out of that. She thought that was hilarious. Yeah, well, you know what? I I I have it on good authority. He's not taking off the chains anytime soon. As a matter of fact, we love it here. I mean, we one of it's our, great, man. He's not yeah. pitching. You know, it doesn't. Oh, hurt. it's great. It's not like the light's going to get caught. You know, it's. I think it's great. And people complain. Let me tell you something. I just watched this World Cup uh, soccer situation, right? And it's it's a beautiful game. I appreciate it. I understand it's the most popular game in the world. But if people want to talk about baseball being a slow game <laughs> all right these dudes run for 90 minutes and then they add another 20 minutes for some god awful unknown reason and nobody scores any points it's like one to one is exciting and i've been sitting here for two and a half hours watching the baseball is super exciting compared to soccer super exciting and and even more exciting when teams and players have a little bit of uh, a little bit of flair you know, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Spencer Strider, in addition to what he does on the field, I love the dude off the field too. And he's he he has a lot of moxie, and he's not. Yeah, and you can tell. Rookie, he was not afraid to tell you what he's thinking. And I even got that when we interviewed him on the show. I came away from that going, this dude is. There's no BS with him. He's not giving mm. me any free canned lines. Like he's just answering honestly from the heart and. Whether however people take that doesn't matter to him, and I and he I looks like him. a bare knuckle boxer, like in the thirties, like he school. would box like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he followed not. he he followed me on Twitter. That made me really super excited. <laughs> well, yeah, as it should. <laughs> Will we we were talking, we were chatting a little bit before we started the the interview uh, that you're usually you've usually got some sort of Braves gear if not on your person nearby at most times. So just growing up in Atlanta, what are, what are some of your early memories of, uh, of the Braves? Oh man. I, you know, obviously the great 1991 run, uh, where's the first Sid's great run, but you know, I was really 
always into Dale Murphy, of course, probably my my number one childhood icon, which uh, I know Jason in some form shares. But I just used to love to watch Greg Maddox pitch. You know, the professor up there with with uh, with glasses on just didn't seem like a professional athlete in so many ways, but was the meanest of them all in other ways. I just used to, he would walk somebody and you would just watch him cuss them all down the on the first baseline. I mean, so to just see this guy who like didn't fit the traditional bill, but was like a scientist on the mound and a competitor of the highest order. And and then that pitching roster of Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox, I mean, just incredible time to grow up as a, you know, a little athlete and a sports fan and a baseball card collector and a kid who was always wearing a Braves hat and still always wearing a Braves fitted these days. Um, so I don't know, today, Matt, just in preparation for coming on here, Greg Maddox was jumping out at me and you mentioned his name a minute ago. I got to go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. He he's uh we actually, for, for him, we actually went out to his house in Vegas and mm. me growing up as just a kid in the mountains of Virginia, watching him on TBS. Cause that was the only baseball game on TV. I'm sitting there looking around like I'm a try to be a professional, but I'm sitting there going, who the hell let me in Greg Maddox's house <laughs> Why am I here? Like, how did this happen? And he does he live in Las Vegas? I was going to say the enigma continues. He lives uh, in Vegas. He's a Vegas what? native. That's where he's from. Yeah. Him and the killers. That's it. That's the <laughs> that's it. from Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, Vegas native and still there. No still wonder there. he's so damn tricky. That makes sense. <laughs> he is like a poker dealer up there. Yeah, he's shell game. <laughs> he uh he I'll tell you a quick story about that. He we I, I meet up with him and Greg McMichael. Of course, they played together. They played golf that morning and I met him for lunch afterward, and then we went back to his house to record the show. And Maddox kept calling McMichael. He kept referring to him as Harry, and I had no clue why. Um, and I was thinking it was like Harry, you know, from Dumb and Dumber, H A R R Y. I didn't know why, but I thought, you know, I'll wait till we turn the mics on before I ask about this. Maybe it'll be a <laughs> story. And it turns out that when McMichael was a rookie in '93, the guys after the game or spring training were were taking their showers and Deion Sanders came running out of the shower screaming. There's a man, there's a bear in there. There's a bear in there. And it turns out Greg McMichael, apparently I love him dearly. He's my friend and my co-host, but apparently he's a very hairy man. Hairy with an eye. <laughs> so 30 years later, Greg Maddox uh, still keeps that nickname going, which I Oh, that's love. funny. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of for both of you. So I, my two biggest loves in life are sports and music. I work in sports. I could just talk about music all day. And I was thinking about this when we I knew you we were going to have you guys on, just the intersection of sports and music. Um, and really, I was thinking back to, to last year, Braves won the World Series. We have this amazing parade and, and and I remember talking about it on the show after that, about how great it was just all day long. I saw people of all races all backgrounds, all together, everybody smiling, all happy. And that was, it just moved me so much because of that. But at the end of the parade, we have this big concert here at the ballpark with Ludacris and Outkast, which, I mean, if you're going to have a celebration in Atlanta, I, that's, that's how could you do any better than that, I think. Uh, Ludacris and Big Boy from Outkast, I should say. But during Big Boy's set, he and Killer Mike were playing Kryptonite, and I was on the field by the stage working, but I took a moment to just kind of turn around and look. And as they're playing that, just this full ballpark of energy. Everybody in the ballpark is just bouncing and just singing along and just all into it. And I thought, my God, this is just, this is the coolest thing ever. 
And I've I've often thought about that because, you know, in every big sports moment, uh, baseball, home run hit, a song cranks up. You win a big game, there's music. A uh, player walks up to the plate, there's walk-up music. I mean, it is constantly like they're intertwined. intertwined. Jason, as a singer-songwriter, professional touring musician, I mean, how often do you find that, that those two worlds of music and sports, like I think on the face of it, some could think they're – Two different things, but I feel like they live in the same space a lot. Is that, is that yeah. true? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you get a whole bunch of people together, somebody's going to put a record on and it's going to make the experience better for everybody. Um, but yeah, you know, Charlie, Charlie Morton uses one of my songs uh, for his, which is a, that's a great honor for me. That's yeah. a huge honor for me. Like that makes me happier than uh, some awards have made me in the past, you know. Um, but no, I think uh, it's, it's partially about keeping the right atmosphere and the right vibe and um you know it, it's always surprising to me which songs work the best in those situations like i don't think like i remember being on a houseboat uh i don't know 20 years ago and trying to tell i'd just gotten uh they steal the first White Stripes album. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to tell all of my friends about this band uh, that didn't have a bass player. It was just a guy and, and a girl. And uh, they played Garage. And nobody was listening to me. Nobody. I was like, listen, this is about to be the, this is going to be the biggest rock band in the world. And they're like, that's that doesn't make any sense. There's just, it sounds like a punk band. But to hear Seven Nation Army at every sporting event now, like nobody could have predicted that that guy, Jack White, who loves bass, Baseball, honestly, but is not a very like party music, house music kind of dude, uh, that he would have this hit that would live on forever for hundreds of thousands of people in these sports stadiums. And I think it shows you that what what moved him about that music when he was making it is the same thing that moved all those people in those stadiums who probably don't have a whole lot in common with Jack White across the board. So that, you know, it makes me happy. It makes I mean, that's how, I, you know, that's how I kept friends with people in high school who, you know, I was kind of a nerdy kid. I mean, I was big and, you know, I played baseball until I got in rock bands in my, when I was 15, 16 years old, but I was not, you know, uh, uh, an athlete and a jock, uh, uh, not at my Alabama high school. You had to be extra, extra redneck to, to fit in there, you know? <laughs> um, but the, the music, music crossed those borders for me and, and, you know, kept me from getting my ass kicked and, and made a lot of good friends for me when I was growing up, when I really needed them a whole lot. So, you know, it makes perfect sense that, that the atmosphere would be, uh, heightened, um, with the right kind of music. I, I, as a, as a big kid growing up in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, I, 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 I can identify with a lot of what you just said there. And yeah, also, yeah. I'm a very much a metalhead, especially when I'm at the gym. But one of my favorite go to is at the gym is White Stripes Live album under the under the great white northern lights. It, it rocks, man. It rocks. You can, just, one of those, you can just hit play from the beginning and it's going to keep you can just spend your whole hour or two at the gym with that. And it's great. Mm -hmm. um, Will, along those same lines, I mean, this is kind of like the cliche, right, is like rock stars want to be athletes. Athletes want to be rock yeah. stars. But I don't. Is there still some truth in that? Do you think? Oh, I think absolutely. Like you go backstage at a rap show or look at the look at the front row at a basketball game you know what i mean and it's that interchange and i think it's about like performance and just like i don't know there's there's a human instinct to love competition and to love song i always think about the way there's a reason why every church in the history of ever you sing together you know it just unites people 
Um, and I think these things are particularly powerful at a time where uh, this is probably partially what you're reacting to when you're at the ballpark or when you're seeing all these people from all different walks of life. Of course, Atlanta is such a great city for just the collision of so many different people. And you see them all celebrating together. And it's like competition and song, you know. But yeah, I think that sports music connection is deep and rich. And you see it at, at the ballpark every game at NFL games, at, at NBA games, across the board. Absolutely. Well, guys, I, I thank you so much for, for taking the time. Again, this Saturday night at the Fox, uh, 8 p.m., doors, evening with Jason Isbell and Will Welch. Uh, I hope as many Braves fans and baseball fans that we got to listen to this show come out and see you guys. Just honestly sitting here having a conversation with you two, I could do this all day, and I feel like that's what folks are gonna gonna witness on Saturday is just a really fun conversation with some great music mixed in between. So thank you so much. I, I hope it's gonna be something different from what people have ever seen, gone out to a concert, what they've gotten. Yeah, so. I think so. I think so. I think uh, you know, Will and I have practiced this show a lot for many years. We have sat and talked with each other and listened to music together. So we're ready. We're prepared. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys, and uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Ricky. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.